When looking for a new home, location is so important. And as sports fans, you obviously want to be close to your favorite sports teams. So if you're in the market of buying a new home, you gotta check out Aria Denver Homes. They are located just 10 minutes away from downtown, Coors Field, Pepsi Center, and Bronco Stadium at Mile High. So what makes Aria Denver unique is the home buying process is all about you. You know, we offer free home inspections. We make sure we're in a great location in Denver, um, as well as we outreach into the community and have a lot of involvement with a lot of different businesses, as well as, you know, parks and other areas in the location. Like Tyler mentioned, Aria Denver believes the home buying process is all about you. That's why they offer that free home inspection, customizable finishes, and brand new appliances. But that's not all. So we specifically have a greenhouse on campus at Aria um, that residents are able to sign up for a subscription service and have fresh veggies delivered to, to their door each week. And then we also have a great relationship with Regis University. So our partnership with Regis allows residents to have access to the fitness center and gym. Move today where everyone wants to live tomorrow. To learn more, go to www.aria.denverskylofts.com or call them today at 720-372-1022. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. Zach is still in Greece hanging out with cats with very human-like features. Uh, so it's me and Henry Chisholm here uh, talking Broncos with you today. And before we get to that, we have to talk about the Bachelor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not no, no, no Bachelorette talk today. But another B. Breckenridge brewery last night was a dream it was like straight out of the stars we got the whole crew together went over to breckenridge brewery and if you haven't been to this place it is it's incredible it's a compound it's a campus it's a it's unbelievable the facility they built they used to be downtown denver kind of right there across from coors field and they got far too big from for that, and so they moved over off of Santa Fe in Littleton. And this place is so cool. They've got a, a full scale bar and restaurant there. We went there. They poured us up some of the strawberry skies, and we went out onto the back lawn. They've got you know a cornhole out there. They have uh, like six games of cornhole going back there. Unbelievable. At least. And under that hot Colorado sun. It's funny because we've been we've been talking about the strawberry sky. We hadn't had it until last night. Finally got to try it. It blew my expectations out of the water. This is we talked we I mean we said it's the perfect summer beer. It is the perfect summer beer. It is. It's a it's a Kolsch ale. There you go. <laughs> and they they like do whatever they do that makes it a Kolsch ale, but then they put strawberry puree in it 
and then do a whole bunch of other things I also don't understand. But what it turns into is just an amazing strawberry beer. If you're not someone who likes like heavy fruit flavors in your beer, this is the strawberry. It's very much on the nose. It's not so much on the taste. It's it's very subtle. And I want to go out onto a boat and drink oh, 24 so nice. of them this that weekend. That sounds so nice. So uh, huge shout out to them. They hooked us up with some gear, uh, a lot of gear. A, a <laughs> lot of gear. They showed us around the brewery. And I have to admit, as we were leaving, I had to grab something out of Brandon's car. And I was like, dude, I think he said something like, we've come pretty far, huh? And I was like, dude, I remember the first BSN get together. We were playing darts at some tiny little pub on South (laughs) Broadway that was like in the sketchy side of Broadway. And four years, close to five years, a little over four years later, we're stocking up on Breckenridge Brewery gear, uh, touring around with, like, you know, some of the higher-ups. It's pretty cool. So, like, obviously, you know, you guys have heard lots of sponsors and stuff on on this program. But (laughs) but this one is a little bit different. Like, this is, like, this is, like, a big break for us. So, um, when you support Breck because of their support of us, you're supporting us even more. Uh, and the best part about that is they make incredible, delicious, fantastic beers. So it's not going to be like some stretch for you to go buy some. Plus, like out at that compound, they said it's like 15 acres or something. They have concerts. Like they had Leon Bridges out there. They had... Uh, Nathaniel Rateliff. They had Nathaniel Rateliff out there. Like they have some other big ones coming up. It's such a cool place. And once you get... I don't know. It's... It's just so hard to explain how cool it is. Like, there's, like, the brewery. They have, like, these massive buildings with all the big tanks where they brew the beer. They have the farmhouse with these 30-foot ceilings where everybody's eating and drinking beer. And it's just so nice. And then out back, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all the way bought in. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. And, and it was just a, it was a special moment. So, again, shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery for believing in us. And uh, we certainly uh, believe in everything they're doing, not that they need our belief. They're uh, – they're, <laughs> They're long ways down the road. So, um, yeah, go get some, go get yourself some Breckenridge beer. I know they have it pretty much anywhere you're, you're at. And if they have the strawberry sky, I'm not just saying you this. have to try it. It is so good. It's all I want to drink. Um, I of course cheated a little bit on my keto diet last night. <laughs> just, just because like, I felt like it was a duty. It was part of my job. I had to try the beers. Uh, the other one that was really, really good was the irish stout yeah i'm not much of a stout guy but it was pretty good i'm not i would drink it again i'm hardly a stout guy but i will i'm pretty open-minded to any beer that one is so smooth and so like it's a like perfect after dinner just like milky yeah yeah it's like Like, you're drinking uh, chocolate milk yeah so anyways Go to, I know that we said it yesterday, they got it at Total Wine. They've got it in 35 states. Most of you can go find a Breckenridge beer. Send, tag us in it when you, when you crack it open and sip on it for the first time. And let us know what you think. Okay, so that was way too happy. As we know, it is <laughs> a, a We Get Mad summer. 
It is a We Get Mad summer. And guess what we're getting mad about today? It has it right uh, in the name. Mad. Madden. Madden. Oh, Madden. Yep, mad. Perfect. Ah. Yeah. So. Oh, no. Madden. Yep, we're getting mad about a video game. They have, I guess, changed their ranking system this year because they wanted fewer players with 99s. Yeah, they actually, like, moved everybody down. So now the lowest players aren't, like, 60. They're, like, 50. And they said that it'll make the game feel more lifelike, like you're actually using the real players because there is more of a difference between good players and bad players in the NFL than it's been accounted for. In the- I, re- I read, like, a feature that ESPN wrote on their ratings, guys. And uh, actually, through reading, I was like, wow, these seem like great guys. I really like them. And then this came out, and now I really don't like them quite as much. So they decided there's only going to be four people in the entire game that have 99s, and that's fine. I think who they chose is not fine. No. So three of the four have been released, and I'm under the impression that the fourth is an offensive player. First one is Aaron Donald. Okay, fine. Yeah, sure. Makes sense. The second one is Bobby Wagner. Um, yeah. Ninety nine. There, I don't know. I give him the ninety nine, but if he was like ninety seven, I'd be like, you hey, considering dude. him one of the three, three best players in the NFL? Uh, I I don't. I, you could name almost anybody in the league, and I would say, yeah. I mean, Bobby Wagner might be better. Really? I'm I'm a big Bobby Wagner guy. Okay, I'm not. Uh, it's not that I'm low on him, but I would have made him like a 95. Okay. Maybe. Huh. He's not. No. No. He's so. He's not better than Von Miller. Fast and so smart. Oh, here we get into that though. And so yeah. the next guy is yeah. is is also not better than Von Miller, and his name is Khalil Mack, 99. I'm yeah. pretty sure the fourth 99 is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Interesting. Um, that's just a hunch, but. I, 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 it looks to be like it's going to be an offensive player. So it's not going to be Von Miller. And so here we are <sighs> once again in the Von Miller, Khalil Mack debate. And I just, I would be fine if you made them the same. I personally think Von Miller is better, but if you said, okay, they're both 99s or they're both 98s, even, I don't care. That's fine with me. Yeah. There yeah. is no way, especially after last season, you can say that Von Miller is is worse than Khalil Mack. No. What, no. You want to know all the categories in which Von Miller was better than Khalil Mack last season? Yeah, let's hear them. Or would you rather just hear the one category that Khalil Mack was better than Von Miller in? Because that's a shorter list. What is that one? Forced fumbles. Oh, see, I was assuming it was going to be like sacks on primetime television. Probably has that too. But uh, yeah, because that's really all it was is that... Whenever everybody was watching, he got hot. I think I think uh, when the Raiders traded him, everybody wanted to talk about how stupid the Raiders were, rightfully. And then for him to go out in the first week of the season and uh, put up big numbers, that like that's just what everybody wanted to see, you know. And and so he just started hot. What was it? it was like five sacks in the first four games. Yeah, and like one was a strip sack. He also had a pick six. Yeah. Yeah, and he finished the season with 12 and a half sacks. You're like, yeah, that's a good pass rusher right there. Okay, so Von Miller, more sacks. Yes. More tackles for loss. Yep. More fumble recoveries. Yep. More tackles. Okay. 
So I think that which means one of these guys player. is a ninety-nine, and which one of these is not? That uh, I don't get it. I do not get it ever. It's because Khalil Mack was. Everybody saw what Khalil Mack do, did. Like when people were watching, he played well, and so that's what they remember. By the way, Khalil Mack playoff sacks. Oh yeah, in his career, none, zero, none. How about wins in the playoffs? How many wins has he been a part of in his career? Well, none. A zero. Yeah, it's bad. <sighs> Von Von Miller gets it done in prime time. He does. Gets it done when the lights are the brightest. Six and a half career playoff sacks. And, of course, a Super Bowl MVP and plenty of wins to go along with it. Yeah, and, I mean, they're both great players. Like, they both should be probably 99s, 98, 99s. But to put Khalil Mack ahead of Von Miller, it just doesn't make sense. It's silly. It's it, it's silly. It's not. It's really indefensible. Yeah. Like I want to hear those guys give their reasoning for why they put Khalil Mack ahead of Von Miller because it just it doesn't make sense to me. And same goes for Bobby Wagner. I, I yeah. I mean, I wonder if they just expect Von to take a step back. But even that, like Von just turned thirty. Khalil Mack is 28 and a half. Like, it's not even like there's an, a big age difference at this and point. And you, you got to at least see the drop-off before you do this because Von Miller is continu- continuously putting up better numbers and, and better production than Khalil Mack does. Yeah. And I didn't feel like anybody – I mean, the Bears' defense was really good, but having Bradley Chubb as Von's number two is better than the number two that uh, – Khalil Mack had like Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, you know, like the, Vaughn's getting more sacks stolen from him than uh, Khalil Mack is, probably. Probably. Well, and also Khalil Mack was playing in a better defense last year. Yeah. And still put up worse numbers. Yeah. So that that one just doesn't make sense to me. And I think to me, what it really comes down to is Khalil Mack played in the Bay Area. That is a, a epicenter of media hype. Yep. And now he plays in Chicago. And Chicago, you know, people want to say, well, that's not part of the East Coast. It still catches the East Coast media wave. Yeah, it's the like third the, biggest city in the country. Right. Like the Cubs always get love, too, yep. you know, when they're good. And and the Blackhawks, when they're good, they get love. Yep. Like they're part of – they're not the on the East Coast. They're, they're not on Eastern Standard Time. But when they're – relevant they're you're right they're in the third biggest city in the u.s and they catch the wave that doesn't happen in denver no it doesn't it doesn't at all i just i I don't understand why vaughn would be rated worse than cleo mack it just doesn't make sense to me honestly what what it really should be is 199 aaron donald yeah. Because I think Aaron Donald there should be separation. I think Aaron Donald is even a tick better than Von Miller For in sure. terms of his yeah. production on the field. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't have a problem with them saying Aaron Donald's the only ninety nine. Yeah. No, I wouldn't either. And I mean, they probably do make it easier to play with Aaron Donald because like just because they don't put a one hundred rating in the game doesn't mean like like Aaron Donald right now, he could still have his speed Im- improved by like five points on the game, and he'd still count as a ninety-nine. So he's still probably like a better ninety-nine than Khalil Mack is. Yeah, it's just. But still, the rating should reflect that. It's a slap in the face, honestly, to Von Miller to put Khalil Mack above him. 
It and is. It's, and, it, and like I said earlier, it's indefensible. It is. So that's what we're mad about today. Um, but at least we got Breckenridge Brewery. Yeah. To, gonna, to, keep, to keep us happy. We're going to need more of that. <laughs> don't don't die over there, Henry. You need. I think you need to wet your whistle with, with yeah, a strawberry I don't know what sky. Just <laughs> you want some water? <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. We're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. What you'll see is that this CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. You got to pull... <laughs> I have no idea Henry, how to use Ryan's water Henry bottle. Henry is struggling. You gotta, there's a little trigger on the back. Okay. Press oh, it in. Oh, yep. There you go. Then tilt it. That's fancy. It is pretty fancy. That's fancy. I was just sucking on a piece of plastic. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, CBD-infused coffee is taking away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's even helped decrease anxiety. Whatever it is, you name it. CBD is an all-natural and non-psychoactive ingredient. The coffee is rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right. Well, as we move along here, we got plenty of questions from yesterday, so why don't we jump right into those? And the first one comes in from J-Ro. He says, been a Broncos fan since 86 and a family of Packer fans. Super Bowl 32 was glorious. Loved Ryan's questions about whether Green Bay has a skyscraper. I think you'll find out all the answers to your Green Bay questions after going. It's a really cool place to see a game, and it's amazing that a town of 100,000 people can fill a stadium that sits 81,000. Yes, I know it's not all locals, but that's insane. You'll really enjoy it, and you should take a tour of the stadium beforehand if you can. I think they do Fridays before the game, but not Saturdays. Don't forget that the team is owned by public shareholders, which is how they were able to stay in Green Bay throughout the years and raise money for major stadium renovations. You may see history since the Broncos, 0-4, are the only NFL team that has never won a regular season game at Lambeau Field. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Hope, hopefully they win it. Yeah. I mean, they've had some slightly more meaningful wins over the Packers. Have they? Keep, yeah. Look, yeah. 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 They've got, <laughs> they've got, you know, at least one that comes to mind. Uh-huh. I think, yeah. The Aaron Rodgers 77 passing yards game comes to mind as well. That was the other one that I was going to bring up. 77 passing yards. Unbelievable. Did you see someone out there today? I wish I could remember what the exact trade was. Someone floated out some trade like, would you trade Joe Flacco, Von Miller, and your first for next year for for Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and a third? <laughs> I thought you were just going to say Aaron Rodgers, and I was going to say, yeah, for sure. Yep, I know. Yeah. Not, oh, not and, and they said, and you get Aaron Rodgers on Joe Flacco's current contract. I don't know. Did anybody was, say no? Yes. Really? Many, many people. No. I think it was just a social experiment to see – like, uh, if you include Von Miller in a trade, will Broncos fans say no no matter what? I just don't understand. I know. I don't understand. Okay, what what happens? The the, the Broncos bring in Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and uh, lose Joe Flacco and Von Miller. Uh-huh. They win 12 games, do you think? Um, They've got a problem at one of the pass rusher spots. They do. But... A lot of teams do, though. Yeah, um... I mean, they're fine. Yeah, they win. They're going to the playoffs. Oh, for easy. sure. Yeah. 
I get I get it. Von Miller is a Super Bowl MVP. Like no one wants to trade him. Yeah, but that's fair. That trade is insane. It's insane. It's Aaron Rodgers. Is like, is who? If you could pick any player in the league to add to the Broncos next year, just for next season, don't worry about the contract or anything. Who are you taking? Patrick Mahomes. You'd rather have Mahomes than Rodgers, really? Oh, actually, just, just for you're next season. You only get him for one year. He's yep. in and out. Not worried about age. Hmm. Probably Tom Brady. Really. Yeah. I mean that's that's the other option. Like maybe throw Drew Brees in there, but I I think he's still just like a half step behind the other two, especially given that like Aaron Rodgers is certainly blocks. in the top five of that. I think he'd be my number one. Zach would disagree vehemently, but I I, I love Aaron. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, the thing is like he he can't bring his own team to even like the NFC Championship game every year, whereas Von Mil- or whereas Tom Brady gets his team to the Super Bowl every year. He also has Bill Belichick instead of Mike McCarthy. Yeah. And I don't know. I just totally bought into that ESPN story where it's like, sure, Aaron Rodgers is toxic, but Mike McCarthy was also toxic, and you just can't have them being toxic against each other. Bring in Aaron Rodgers. He's kind of like, you know, he he isn't going to be a guy you're like, oh, yeah, perfect locker room presence. But I think with offensive coordinators who are competent and coaches who are competent – they won't just put him in a bad situation where it'll all blow up. Are you calling NFC Championship appearance for them? Uh, I think I think I might have early on there. I think I think there are probably like four teams that are going to get those two spots, and they're definitely one of those four teams. Okay. Uh, next one here comes in from Beef Supreme. It says, RK, thanks for bringing Andre on for the supplemental draft talk. I appreciate it. Signed, Beef Supreme, future Broncos stud. Were you listening to that podcast when Beef Supreme came up? No, I wasn't. So, it's pretty fantastic. I don't know why the name Beef Supreme, but um, <laughs> we were talking about how, like, players in the 60s just, like, couldn't play in today's NFL and vice versa. Like, players in today's NFL would dominate in the 60s. Okay. And someone was like, you're going to be so annoyed in 30 years when some, like, 20-year-old kid is talking about how Beef <laughs> Supreme... <laughs> the Broncos wide receiver would have dominated the early 2000s. You're going to be like, no, like I watched that era. There were great players then. Oh, beef Supreme. That sounds like, like a seventh grade offensive lineman's like a bad seventh grade offensive lineman. That's his nickname. That's his nickname. Yeah. He's yeah. just a really fat kid. Yeah. Who's, that's the only reason why he's on the line. They're just like, we had no idea what else to do with he, him. He wants to play football. And in middle school, everybody who wants to play football plays football. And you're big. I kind of want to nickname one of my friends Beef Supreme. Yeah. It's yeah. A sweet too, nickname. Too bad there's nobody around the office. I mean, like, we could walk in the office and just call Andre Beef Supreme. Yeah. He, he keeps calling people. Like, he started calling me H-Dog, and uh, Allie is A-Dog. And so I'm just kind of, like, waiting for everybody to get their, like, If anything, it, wouldn't it be Al-Dog? Ooh, yeah. Like that. I, I'd like Al-Dog better. That has, like, or maybe s- it was Al-Dog. S- I think it was A-Dog. Mm. Yeah. Al Dog has a better ring to it. There's more like texture to it. Al Dog, so just A Dog's like, you know. Yeah. Well, we can call we can call Andre Beef Supreme. I'm gonna call Andre Beef Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. From True Champ Fan Twenty Four. Hey guys, I know it's not Angry Wednesday. I love how no one can remember the name, including Zach. But I'm always worked up about something. So are we. This week I was part of a spirited discussion with my sports buddies. I love spirited discussions with sports buddies. That's what sports is all about. What The most epic one of my life. I'll never forget it. 
Went to opening day with a bunch of friends. Had some cold snacks. Of course. More than a few. (laughs) And we all got back to my buddy's brother-in-law's house, which was in the Highlands. And we're sitting there drinking some more cold snacks. Somehow this debate comes up. So one of one me and one of my other buddies are solid golfers. You've you've played with me like Yep. And You're very solid golfer. The question was would me and him and he's as good if not maybe even a little better than I am. The question was would he and I have a better chance of making the cut at the Masters <laughs> or averaging 3 points per game in an NBA playoff series. <laughs> and the funny thing the funny thing uh, is like he and I are the golfers. We we're very confident in our abilities. Yeah. Both of us were staunchly on the side of averaging 3 points per game in a playoff game. Well, see, the thing is if they just put you on a playoff roster, obviously neither of you are getting in the game. No. Like no, see, that's no, the thing, like how many minutes do you get? You're playing like starters minutes. Ooh, okay. So you're like a starting two. Like, Here's the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if your goal is just to average three points per game, for sure. I'm going to make one three per game. And they will leave you open every That's single exact. time. You I'm will be left at, open at the three-point line I'm every time I'm sitting at the, the corner, waiting for them to sag, and they kick it out to me. And even if I shoot ten, I'm going to make one. Yeah, exactly. And what's going to happen is you're going to sit in the corner for 22 seconds of that shot clock. And if nothing better happens somebody's going to kick the ball out to you and give you a chance. Exactly. Like, that's what happens. And over a, f- over a full series, I, I, like, I'm going to make a couple in some games. Like, I might be a better golfer than I am a basketball player, but my jump shot is smooth. I can make take a your jump- word on that one. I can make a jumper. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't even masters. That's just not possible. Anyway, ex- that's what we were saying. That's just literally like, impossible. And I think, that, like, our friends who weren't as big of golfers, that's what they didn't understand. Is like even if I play my best and everybody else plays their worst, the best I've ever played in my life, I would still miss the cut. What's what's your best score? Uh, I once shot a one under sixty nine at my home course, which is a par seventy. So okay, so sixty nine. But if, again, if you play like that at Augusta, then that's what like a seventy four. 75 I, worse worse even i think oh yeah because it's first it's a par 72 so you throw two more on top of that that's like 77 first of all it's par 72 second of all the course that i play there's not the course that i'm talking about there the par five there's not even a par five that's over 500 yards oh my at augusta i don't know what the longest one is but it's a lot there's probably a 600 yes. yard par five yes. like, the difference in difficulty also i'm not trying to diminish my own accomplishment here but like most of the putts at that course are straight putts mm-hmm. on very attackable greens in the ter- in the sense of like you don't have to worry about tapping it and rolling it 40 yards past or 40 yeah. feet past the pin. So yeah, my I think if I played my absolute best of my life, I think it would be hard to break break 80. I think that's reasonable. And maybe I'm overestimating it. I don't know. I'd have to play a, a yeah. PGA level course. But, you know, there's guys like um, Tony Romo who's for certainly a better golfer than me mm-hmm. who like tried to qualify for the PGA or for the U S open and shot like 90. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that, I, that one, it's just impossible. Like that's just a no. The funny thing is just, it, they were completely on the other side of it because they were like, you could, there's no way you could score in an NBA game. And so it just, it went on forever. So, uh, 
our our big like sports argument up in Montana. One of my roommates was a Packers fan. One was a Patriots fan. And then we had another friend who's always around who's also Packers fan. And so it was just constantly like as soon as we have three drinks, it's who's the best quarterback of all time. And it's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, John Elway. And it's just circling over Rodgers isn't in the conversation. Oh, I, I know. But see, like the argument is he's like the most talented. Like he just doesn't have like the wins. But if you were to like throw him on another team, he probably he might have more upside than Tom Brady. Maybe. If you put him in a better situation. The scary thing is I think Patrick Mahomes might be slightly more talented than him. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That's scary. Um, it's really scary. But, yeah, I mean, and then Peyton Manning deserves to be in that conversation sure. more than Aaron Rodgers does. All right, anyways, he goes on. So, he goes part of a spirited discussion with my sports buddy. Going through different topics, I brought up lists, and we went down that dirty rabbit hole. I guess I need new friends. Normally, I hear any argument with reason, and usually I can be unbiased, but this is where I need your help. Maybe I'm crazy, and I'm out of line here. But don't ever put Revis above Champ Bailey on any list, unless it's a list of drama queens. Am I wrong, or am I the only person on earth who thinks that Champ was far and away better than Revis? Um, no, not at all. Yeah, that's a great take. So, I mean, there was the there was like a two-year stretch. It was something like 2007 2000, and 2006, something like that, where Champ Bailey had, I think it was 18 interceptions. It was something wow. like he picked off 10 or 15% of the passes thrown his way. Like, intercepted them. That's not kind of like deflections, drops, like just good coverage. He intercepted that many. Yeah. It's incredible. And Revis was good for a very short amount. Like, his run was way shorter than Champ Bailey's. Champ Bailey was sustained excellence. Yeah, Revis was a kind of a flash in the pan, and even if it was four or five years of a flash in a pan, that's still a flash in a pan compared to the sustained excellence of Champ Bailey's entire career. Yeah, so 2006 was like the prime Champ Bailey year, the one where it's like the stats get passed around on Twitter Every like few months, they come up again, and then some people say, "Well, that's not totally right. It's not including this." So there is like some debate because it is tough to quantify cornerback stats. But here's the stat line: 2006, thrown at 35 times, allowed four receptions, jeez, defended 21 of those passes, and tied for the league lead with 10 interceptions. So he, if I'm getting this right, he intercepted. 150% more than he allowed um, completions. No, sorry. Yeah. Is it 250% more? Yeah. 250%, 250% more than he allowed. Four completions, 10 interceptions. You can go game by game through this, too. Um, uh, oh, no. This isn't the wrong way. But, I mean, there's the Revis season, too, where it's like two catches for Andre Johnson, three catches for Randy Moss, three catches for Justin Gage. That's not good. Uh, shuts down Marcus Colston. Two catches for Ted Ginn, including a touchdown. Gave up a catch to T.O. And it's kind of like that, where it's like, yeah, really great. Champ, though. It's it's just not something you can match. No. Ten interceptions in a season is absurd. Yeah. It's uh, it's absurd. And that's not something you can fudge. Like, like maybe ten somebody touchdowns else... for a receiver is a fantastic season. And touchdowns uh, are way easier to come by than interceptions. So much easier. I mean, that season, what was it? Like, tar- thrown at 34, 35 times, 10 interceptions. 
Thirty percent of the of, of what was thrown his way, essentially, a little uh, less. It's incredible. So yeah, true champ fan twenty four. You're spot on. There's no way you can make the case for Revis over Champ. No, it's not. It's not even a conversation. But it's like but the same thing as like Ma- he's as, in New York. Exactly. Yeah, say, it's the same thing exactly. as is uh, Khalil Mack over Von Miller. Exactly. It is. Uh, yeah, Stupid. it's frustrating, but. Anyways, we all know. He says, we talked about stats, and then I showed him how much better Bailey's stats were. Then they argued that Revis went against the best of the best every week, as if Champ did not. When he decided they both covered the best of the best, and all of Bailey's numbers were better, they still hit me with, well, Revis had less interceptions because people didn't throw his way, meaning that QBs weren't scared to throw the ball Bailey's side. How do I go about actually winning this damn argument? Am I wrong, or am I missing something? Have I let Champ down? You... There's no winning these arguments with your friends. They're just no. about yelling, and and everyone stays their ground, and then it ends. Pretty much. But I'm not. I, I missed part because I was trying to find it because I put together a list of the receivers Champ went up against that year, and uh, because I got into this argument on Twitter a few months ago. But uh, the list of receivers Champ went up against that season is incredible. Well, just like remember Randy one, Moss twice. I think. Like, remember were, one of their names. And then Twitter advanced search that name. Okay. Like Twitter advanced search Moss from your own account, and you'll probably find it. We'll come back to this in segment three after I've found it. All right. Next one's from Sausage Sang a Harry. He says, Yo, Ryan. I think Allie can grab the microphone whenever she likes. Get her on the pod more. I'm digging all the guests you guys are bringing on at the moment. Top stuff. Of course, Allie can. We were just giving her crap. Uh, next one here is from Alex and Olympia. He says, Hey, fellas. Looking forward to camp starting. I spent the last week at a dude ranch for my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, and there was a huge Mizzou fan there. He was not as high as Drew as I would have hoped, but he said he was looking forward to him finally winning. Maybe that's a good sign. Yeah, I think um, Mizzou fans were probably a little bit let down, but it wasn't really Drew's fault. Like Mizzou fans were, were so excited, and if you go back and read my story from draft day, uh, or I guess the day, that he was, the day after he was picked on Drew Locke, you'll see why Mizzou fans were so excited about Drew Locke because it was he was born in Columbia, raised a Missouri fan, and then he's this high-level prospect who picks them over Ohio State. Like Everyone thought he was going to be the guy who brings them a national championship. Obviously, they didn't get that far. And if you ask me, it's because Missouri did not do, put the talent around Drew Locke that was necessary to be able to do that. So I think Mizzou fans are probably a little bit disappointed in the way things went there, but it's not really Drew's fault. Yeah, no, and I have a friend up in Montana who works for one of the TV stations there, um, and he went to Missouri for journalism school, and so he got to cover Drew Locke a little bit and some of the hype, and he keeps saying Drew Locke is for real. Like, he had to go through all like the coordinator changes, the coaching changes, and that's kind of what held him back. If he could have had some stability, if he had more help around him, he could have done what any other quarterback can do in college football yeah all right he goes on and says my best live memory is probably champs 103 yard return on brady my first game ever was just after my family had moved to colorado 1983 hosting the packers packers are a theme today they are in a complete blizzard we returned the kickoff and then a pick uh for a touchdown in the first two possessions then held on for the next 59 minutes to win 14 13 wow they didn't score after that and still won it's incredible he goes on last but certainly not least i'd like to thank nacho brad for putting together the fantasy league again this year we're looking for another four for a second 
Paley. How many people are in this league? There are a lot of us. We're going up towards triple digits. It's going to be pretty crazy. Anyways, looking for another four players for a second pay league with half of the winnings, of course, donated to Shield 616. If RK, Henry, Zach, or Andre don't want those spots, let's fill them out with other Broncos slash BSN fans. Be good, Alex and Olympia. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to stick with just the one pay league. I'm going to take one of those spots. Okay. I just emailed Burrito Brad. Nacho Brad, sorry. How dare you? I know. All right. <clears throat> Next one's from Huxon. says, hey, guys, I saw a tweet uh, from Adam Schefter that Melvin Gordon has demanded a new contract or trade. I know he's still on his rookie deal, but with the AB situation and the CHJ negotiations, do you think that the precedent has officially been set this offseason for, uh, for player power, or will this just be a one-off deal? I see it as a precedent that has the potential to carry over for a while. One time is a fluke, twice is a coincidence, three times is a movement. Yeah, uh, players are quickly learning that they have more power than they used to think they did. Yep, and it just takes a couple of people to use it to actually le- legitimize that power. Because before, really before uh, Levy on Bell last year, you hadn't seen somebody actually say, well, I'll just sit out this season if I don't get what I need. Be- and they've always like backed down at the end of training camp or they've come to like some agreement, we'll give you an extra million dollars and everything's worked out. I do think that Le'Veon Bell kind of opens the door for it to be... Uh, he, he gives more power to everybody else who says they want to do what he did. And we'll see how it works out with Melvin Gordon. That's kind of a weird situation because he's been hurt so much and giving him a long-term deal is a little bit scary. Le'Veon Bell... I mean, Melvin Gordon's a great running back, but Le'Veon Bell is a step ahead of him. And that gave him more power. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, um, it's good from a Broncos perspective. If for some reason, they have to trade him or something. Yep, that'd be incredible. All right, anyways, he goes, number two, Henry, how will you and Zach feel about the Chargers' chances if they're able to, unable to lock up Gordon? And, uh, and by the way, I believe that Gordon leaving is, leaving is highly unlikely. So I'm just saying this to stir up some discussion more than anything. Um, I think it, it would definitely hurt him. It would really hurt them. Um, I think I said I have him at 12 wins and winning the division before. Wow. I, w- I think that probably drops him down to 10. I mean, it depends on the return. It's the NFL, so it's probably just a pick, and they won't see anything from it. But if they could pull a player out of it, could pull a running back out of it, like maybe they could convince, I don't even know what team, but say, hey, we'll give you Melvin Gordon if you give us a B-caliber running back and a third-round pick or something. And something like that, then maybe they don't drop down too far. They have Austin Eckler still, and uh, I like him. I like him as a number two, though. I'd say it drops him from 12 to 10. Fair enough. I think they're at 10 right now. I think it would drop really? him down to the pack. Um, he says, I'm a couple days behind on this podcast, so if the question has become irrelevant, please ignore my tardiness. You guys are awesome. I appreciate what you do. You're part of my daily routine. In the past couple of days, I've been so busy that I was unable to listen to y'all. Not going to lie. It bummed me out that I didn't get my daily BSN fix. Keep up the great work and go Broncos. Thank you. And before we move along here, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to become a mature, refined adult, <laughs> or if you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Wine Store. We're really getting hooked up on the, uh, the alcohol front. The cold snacks. We really are. Whether it be classy, swirly glass cold snacks or Mm -hmm. just good old summer beers. We are. We're Mm -hmm. set up over here at BSN. Anyways, Winester is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. 
What makes them special and different is that the majority of who they work with are too small to attract the attention of resellers. You're not going to find them at the big wine stores. Um, but what you're going to get is some delicious and hard-to-find wines. And you're going to be able to support real people in the wine industry that are trying to live their dreams, kind of just like us here at BSN. So with Winester, all you got to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from some of the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then when you fall in love with a couple as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping costs at all. And I, of course, love Winester because they have CU alums running the show there, founded by three different CU alums. And of course, one of our favorite people here at BSN, Will Whalen, who was once a BSNer and actually got me into this industry in the first place. So make sure you support Weinster. Sign up today with the code BSN25 and get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's Weinster, W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. All right, moving on here in the questions. The next one's from Bronco Duck. It says, although The Bachelor recap isn't for everyone, I like it. My wife got me hooked on the dang series when we were dating in college. The one thing I loved about Peter and Tyler's home down dates was how their fathers played an important role in their lives. These days, it seems like that role gets undervalued, and I appreciate how genuine their relationships were with their dads. It was refreshing. I've started noticing that crap more when I became a father myself. Okay, enough of that. (laughs) I like it. That's a good take. He says, I agree with Ryan that the offensive line group is the most important position group to watch during camp. That chemistry is going to be important for Flacco. Completely agree. On the defensive side of the ball, I want to see who Fangio trots out as middle linebacker. Or what duo he decides to go with. Any dark horse candidates at that position? Or are Todd Davis and Josie Jewell the clear front runners? Thanks for the content, guys. It's few and far between in terms of dark horse candidates. You've got Joe Deneen. He's the kid yeah. out, of, out of Kansas. He got some rave reviews early on in OTAs from sources that I talked to. But he's not a different player than those guys. No. And that's what is a head scratcher about this whole attack to this position this off season. You thought that at least, you know, one of the undrafted guys they would go out would be a speed linebacker and they just never got one of those guys. No. I mean, like who else is that? There's Keyshawn Bieria, Joe Jones, AJ, or no, it was Alexander Alexander Johnson Johnson. now. Yeah. I'm yeah. No, there's no, it's, it's going to be Todd and Josie. I think what you're going to see most is formations that only use one inside linebacker. Yep, and I think that's going to be Will Parks who takes that second sort of linebacker spot. Right, he'll play the Sam backer. Yeah. Uh, Next one here is from Dan Burke. He says, hey guys, a couple thoughts. Do you guys think the Broncos gave up on Isaiah McKenzie too soon? They're in dire need for a spark in the return game, and he at least had the threat to take one of the house every time he had the ball in his hands. No surprise that he didn't have a fumbling issue on special teams when he had a competent special teams coach compared to his time with Brock Olivo. I think Brandon Bean, the Bills GM, is a pretty good talent evaluator, and he tried to poach McKenzie from the Broncos, and the Bills found a way to incorporate them in, him into their offense, so maybe there's something there. First of all, Brock Olivo is not the reason that, that Isaiah McKenzie couldn't catch the damn football. So for all you, you can hate on Brock Olivo all you want. He did not make Isaiah McKenzie suck at catching. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Sorry, I just, maybe he was supposed to tell him to go back to the jugs mis- machine, but like, yeah, no, 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 There's no, 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 no. Anything else? If like scheme wise, uh, yeah, but you you can't ask a coach to teach a guy how to catch a football in the NFL. Here's the thing: Did they maybe give up on him too soon? Maybe, but how many times did he fumble? Exactly. Like I thought they gave up on him too late at the time. 
sometimes guys just need a fresh start. Like, it was probably never going to work out for Isaiah McKenzie in Denver. He was hated by the fans. Um, the teammates were pretty sick of him. He didn't have the right attitude, and I think that really rubbed a lot of people in the locker room the wrong way for a guy who was struggling so mightily to not – to kind of act like he was still a big deal. And so, no, it was not Brock Levo's fault. It was, it was his fault for fumbling. And he didn't approach things the right way after all of that. So – the Broncos probably had to move on from him, but good for him that he kind of landed on for his sure. feet in, in Buffalo, and I hope it works out for him. It's just sometimes sometimes guys need a fresh start, and that was certainly the case for him. Yeah, and I think he might have been rushed onto the field a little too early, and it's tough to they like... gave him the starting punt returner job on like day one of camp. Yeah, and he was not ready for that. He was really not ready for that, and, and at the time, I loved it because Isaiah McKenzie, he's my favorite kind of player. Just those little shifty, speedy guys who can make things happen. And, yeah, he was going to be a great punt returner, but he wasn't ready. If he was ready at the time, he probably wouldn't have been a fifth-round pick. We knew that there were troubles with him, and it's just it's just disappointing that everything broke as poorly as it did in Denver. But, yeah, you had to move on. You can't let him fumble six times in one season and then... Yeah, it was yeah. a weird, like, catch-22 that was going on with him because it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, yep. he's never going to get over it if he doesn't keep returning punts. But I hated that they benched him in the season where things were already lost. Yep. Like, you don't you're, – you're five and – we'll say, like, five and nine or whatever they were. Yeah. And you don't need Jordan Taylor standing out there fair catching punts. What like, do you what 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 good comes of that? Like you need Isaiah McKenzie to show you that he can get back on track. And they benched him for the whole rest of the season. They inactivated him, and then at that point it was like, okay, well now he he'll never have a chance to get it right, get it back on the right track. No, and I'm not surprised that as soon as he stopped fumbling the football, he's a really useful player. A guy you can run out there and hope for good things to happen. Exactly. He goes on to say, how much of an impact do you think Melvin Gordon's absence this uh, year would have on the Chargers? I really can't see them committing to him with a long-term deal, but at the same time, they don't have a viable replacement. Eckler is more of a change of pace back, and they didn't address running back in the draft or free agency. I th- I think they end up just biting the bullet and paying him. Me because too. Because I think they're in a Super Bowl window. Me too. I think that that's the easy option for them. Um, without looking through and seeing what the contract situation's like. I mean, you have to think that Phil Rivers, he can't have too much time left, and as soon as he retires, that opens up a bunch of money. Um, yeah. Right now, if they have the money to pay him, you have to just pay him. Yep. All right, from LA, Elroy Jetson. says, hey, guys, Danny Ocean. Danny Ocean Danny is George Ocean. Clooney's character in Ocean's Eleven. Thanks for the guest spot for Andre. Keep it up. Loving the off-season coverage. Could do without the Bachelorette coverage, but to each their own. And I still laugh at you getting excited about it, RJ. <laughs> you know what? If you laugh... Then we're doing our job. Then I've done my job. Yeah. So uh, maybe we'll keep it going a little longer. Yeah. All right. From, from Drew Chia. Hey, guys. I don't really have any off-season Broncos questions, so I figured I would keep up with a college football train. Ryan, is there a former position coach or coordinator for CU... They went on to have the most impressive resume, but it wasn't necessarily associated with CS for CU. For CSU, the answer is easy. It's Urban Meyer, who was the wide receiver coach from 1990 to 1995. I don't think anyone thinks of him in CSU because why would you? It's more of a fun fact at this point to see you have a random coach uh, like that. Yes, they do. Les Miles was a uh, position coach and maybe at one point a coordinator. 
um, and, and in heavily involved in recruiting when he was under the legendary Bill McCartney huh. at CU uh, back when they won the national championship. That's a pretty good pull. So that's a, he's not quite Urban Meyer, but he has won a national championship. He continues on and says, also calling it UC Boulder is stupid. When I hear that, I immediately think of someone in the national media who's uninformed and doesn't care about what they're talking about. Whenever I hear that, it makes me cringe right away. Keep up the great work. As always, yours, Drewly. Yeah, up in Montana, since it's CU, you get a lot of people who say Colorado University, and that's the one that really bugs me. Yeah, a lot of times, like, commits say, like, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to commit to Colorado University, and I get it. Like, it, I get why CU. it throws them off. Like, UC was taken by California, though. You have to flip it the other way. It so sounds better, too. Back in the days of the Big 8, all the teams did that um, because of the oh. reasons you were, ta- you were talking about. All the other ones were kind of already taken. So you've got CU, NU, Nebraska. You've got OU, Oklahoma. You've got um, Texas did it the other way, UT. But a bunch of the Big 8 schools went the opposite, even though it's University of Oklahoma, University of Nebraska, etc. Yeah. All right, from Vaughn, father of Tom. Back to the rookie ratings in Madden. Madden is trying out a new overall rating system for your players so that players aren't overpowered. At least that's what I heard. That being said, there are 499 overalls in this year's game. The first two announced were Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner. We also now, now know that Khalil Mack is one. He says, who do you think will be the final two? I already gave my guess for who the final one is. Do you want to give a different guess? I think it makes sense. Um, maybe they give it to Aaron Rodgers, but I doubt it. I mean, maybe Pat Mahomes gets it, but I doubt it in his second year. Uh, one, of, one of the young running backs was my next thought, like Saquon Barkley, Zeke. Mm. But still, I think it's too early. Yep. I, I think Saquon has the edge over Zeke, but they can't give it to Saquon in his second year. So, yeah, I, I think DeAndre Hopkins makes sense. Um, Tyreek Hill, eh, I doubt it. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, I think DeAndre Hopkins is probably the safest bet. All right, final one here comes in from Warmack 14 He says, I was thinking about how hard it is to go 2-14. and 14. Had me thinking the Broncos at 5-11 and 11 and 6-10 and 10 was almost insufferable. Imagine being a 1-31 Browns fan. The city Ugh. of Denver would burn to the ground. Yeah, that that just can't happen here. But it got you it? Baker Mayfield. Like, I think that's impossible here. Yeah, I, I think so too. But it got you Baker Mayfield in the end. So in fact, Browns fans are happier than Broncos fans right now. Yeah, I mean, like the Browns, like they embrace the tank. You know, we always hear j- people say, "Well, John Elway, you can't do a half rebuild. You have to either do it or you don't." But that's what it looks like. They kind of trusted the process. You say, yeah, yeah, and hopefully it works out. Like. I've always thought that changing a culture is not going to be that easy. Plus, I mean, it's Jimmy Haslam that's the real problem there, I think. And yeah. But we'll see what happens. All right, he goes on and says, I hate when players demand contracts or trades, but no Melvin Gordon on the Chargers is fine by me as long as they settle it before the fantasy draft. He goes on and says, I dig the Will Parks jersey idea. I'm not the kind of retired jersey simply says because someone left in free agency. I bought it because I like the player. I won't magically hate the player if they left unless they go to a rival team or a team I disliked. Yeah, I, I guess I actually not, really like that take. I like the take, but that's not necessarily why we say like don't. It's not that you're going to hate the player. It's just that it's not going to be as topical anymore. Yeah, it's it's interesting though because like it just kind of looks outdated. Right. It makes it look like you're the kind of like <laughs> it makes it look like you can't afford to buy another jersey, and it's weird that that matters so much, but. 
looking at it your way, I actually really like that. Like, yeah, you like the guy. Stick with the jersey. Makes fair, sense. Fair enough. Fair enough. He, he finishes by saying one week away. Thanks for the great coverage. Yep. As of today, exactly one week from right now, one we week. will be recapping or we will be 30 minutes away from giving our first Broncos training camp observations. And that is exciting. Before we go, I uh, want to hear the list of receivers that the Broncos played in 2006. Yes. So, Champ played Tory Holt. Wow. Isaac Bruce. Okay. Randy Moss. Okay. Twice. How did they play Randy Moss twice? I don't know. Okay. Um, Reggie Wayne. Obviously, Marvin Was Harrison. one in the playoffs? Maybe. I'm not sure. We could probably run through that and check. Oh, it was it was when Randy Moss was on Raiders. the Raiders. Yes, of course he was a Raider. Oh, yep, yep, yep. That hurts to think about. Um, Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison, Heinz Ward, Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald, and Chad Johnson before he became Chad Ochocinco. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's a like pretty a, great that's list of like receivers. Ten of the fifteen best receivers in the NFL that year. Like maybe like ten of the twenty best this millennium. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you got Hall like. Hall of Famer on Hall of Famer on Hall of Famer in there. Any of those guys could be Hall of Famers. All of those guys could be. Yeah. All those guys probably should be. I mean, Chad Johnson. Yeah. If he doesn't make it, it's because they hate him. The other two, like, Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. And then, like, Randy Moss, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Heinz Ward, Anquan Bolden. A lot of the couple of those guys already are. Yeah. Larry Fitzgerald, obviously. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's an incredible run. So, uh, it's true, true champ fan 24 if you need to pull out that. Then uh, you could point out better receivers, maybe even Just better receivers. Scroll back through my on. timeline to November 16th. There you go. That'll take a while. But, anyways, <laughs> I believe that's going to wrap it up for us today on the BSN Broncos podcast. We appreciate you guys uh, for, for tuning in. Oh, and one last thing. I asked for this once in a while, and for some reason it just came to my mind right now. If you have a chance to go rate us on whatever app you use, to listen to the podcast, um, most preferably iTunes. If you li- if you listen to us through iTunes and you have a chance, just go give us a rating. Um, if you think we're a five-star podcast, give us five stars. Uh, it, you know, whatever you feel is fair. Uh, but a little rating with a comment in there uh, goes a long way into helping us remain the number one Broncos podcast out there. So we appreciate you guys for doing that. We appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you for subscribing. And with that, we'll catch you tomorrow on a Friday edition of the BSN Broncos podcast. Have a great day.
Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.